Popcorn Play Podcast, the diehard Duke basketball fans podcast. 72 hours away from countdown to craziness, we are brought to you by the Duke Blue Brotherhood Forums.net. There's been a lot of chatter, as you can imagine, since we last touched base last week. Boys, there's a lot of stuff going on, uh, even today, uh, with the J.J. Starling news, obviously over the weekend, the A.J. Uh, injury, so that sucks. But we got 72 hours away from, from countdown to craziness. Today was ACC Media Day. We got a lot of stuff to chatter about this week. Oh, yeah. Now, it's a big week. But let's, can we chatter about my fantasy football team last night? Putting up 180 points, and I'm winning by, I think it was 75 points. And I'm playing a dude who has Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, and I end up losing by, like, 20. Can we talk about that for a minute? Because that fucking sucked. Well, you know. <laughs> Oh, oh. Well, oh well, my you know, God. when Lamar has uh, 50 points, it's, it's going to be really tough to. I mean, that was, you know, what that reminded me of actually is mm. your boy, Michael Vick, mm-hmm. back when he was playing against the Redskins in FedEx Field. Oh, yeah. That, that one Monday insane. night, he got six touchdowns in the first half. Yeah. The first, the first play of the game was like Deshaun Jackson. I mean, Jack, you probably know that. I mean, you're probably an Eagles fan, right? Man, I, I'm diehard, man. Yes, sir. E A G L E S Eagles. Let's go. Go birds. Go birds. Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, I remember that game. That was something. Yeah, that was that was sick. And fantasy football wise, I had, yeah, I had a squad, and I, I I didn't have Vic, and the person I was playing didn't have Vic, but I think I remember him putting up in our league at that time like sixty five points or something stupid. I was like, yeah, this is crazy. Yeah, I remember. I was like the the most points anybody had ever put up. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just fucking insane. But all right, so I mean. Sorry to hear about your fantasy football team loss, but uh, we have we have a lot more pressing issues to talk about here. Can we talk about uh, the fact that I have a wedding to go to this weekend, and I'm not even going to be able to watch Countdown to Craziness? Oh. And then the best no. part is, is my two two buddies, um, who I usually go to games with, it's one of them that's getting married, so none of us are going. Why would they? Why would they do that? So, why would they schedule selfishness? What selfishness? <laughs> Oh my god! Selfishness. I, if I were you, I wouldn't go. Um, well, I just wouldn't go. I'd prove a point. I wouldn't go. <laughs> uh, I'm sick. I can't make it. I mean, oh but, but no, but no, and me with you know the, the people that they know there, they would be like, um, well, uh, you know, you, you said you were sick, but I uh, see you right there on the uh, first row of the, the, the crazy. So, well, I'm not, I'm not sure got better by uh, Friday night. Well, the wedding wasn't until Saturday. Oh, okay. You won't do it. You won't go to Countdown with the suit you were going to wear to the wedding and sit in the front row. Well, you won't do it. <laughs> you won't do well, it. I did find out. I did find out from Men's Warehouse that I can't drop it off at any Men's Warehouse. Yes, you can. Um, so that is good to know. So maybe I will try to make that happen. Men's Warehouse, future sponsor of the podcast. Where y'all at? I, 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 prefer, I prefer Joseph A. Banks after the uh, experience that I had to go through today. Yeah, uh, but, that, I, but I digress. All right, so we got a lot to talk about. Obviously, we're going to talk about CTC. Uh, I already talked about the AJ uh, injury. Uh, Starling kicked uh, Notre Dame. That was kind of not a surprise. Speaking, speaking yeah. of, if you guys follow our sponsor, Duke Blue Brotherhood, you would have seen and known that JJ Starling was going to go to Notre Dame. That's uh, correct. Good point. Just putting it out there. Then we're going to do uh, three player predictions uh, for Jeremy Roach. Heels and AJ, and then we'll finish off with their uh, favorite Kane moment. But AC is countdown to crazy this week. Jack, you're not going to be there. I can't believe that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> At least I have an excuse. Um, 
Jack, what are you looking forward to the most for a countdown coming up? I'm excited to see Duke basketball with uh, with fans in uh, Cameron. I don't care that it's the uh, the blue white scrimmage is countdown to craziness. Like, who cares that that's not a real game? There are going to be fans in Cameron for a game for the first time since, geez, February or March of 2020. That's incredible. That's what I'm looking forward to yep. first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, also, I want, I'm excited to see Paulo play and Keels and Blakes. Unfortunately, not AJ, but like Theo, Bates, like just the new guys. I'm excited to see the uh, the returning players and see what leaps they may have made in the offseason in an actual like game setting. It's going to be good. Dude, I'm pumped. Can we can we call an audible? Instead, like I, I want to do favorite K more moments more than anybody. Can we do favorite countdown moments at the end of this thing? Yeah, that's fine by me too. I'm good with that. I love that. <laughs> Let's do yeah. that. We'll move K. Sorry, K. You I get pushed to the, get push to the next part. During this show. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, AC, on, on Countdown, what are you looking forward to in terms of how they put the lineups together? Um, do you think it'll be you know, a nice you know, two 10-minute half scrimmage, or how do you think they're going to set it up this year? I'm hoping that they have a couple of tricks up their sleeve, because uh, like Jack said, we've been waiting, we've been mm. craving and starving for this. Honestly, I don't because of the roster, I don't know that they can really – shake things up like they have in certain seasons where it's like oh man what are they gonna do I think we kind of know who the starters are I think we kind of know the rotation a little bit especially with AJ out so really if they do anything interesting I'd like to see what maybe Paolo can do against Mark like guys with size or whatever shot blockers I want to see you know I want to see Paolo take him inside and out I want to see Mark if he can guard on the perimeter I want to see all those little things I want to see you know I want to see how Trevor does man I think I'm really excited to see what Trevor can do He's so new, and it's he's somebody that is a very much an unknown with this team. I'm interested to see what Jeremy can do, man. I don't know that him versus Blake's is going to be fun, but just I just want to see a confident, happy Jeremy Roach again. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's your guy. That's and, and I want to mm-hmm. say that that's our guy. We, we've talked yes, about sir. it. I'm so, I'm so sick and tired of the Jeremy Roach <laughs> slander. I really am. But I don't everywhere. Wanna, uh, it's insane. Uh, but I don't want to make this uh, segment about that. Um, so I will ask you, Jack, what kind of uh, game would make you happy with Jeremy Roach at Countdown? Like, what, would he, what can he show you to say, okay, he, he, he's made that big leap in his sophomore year over the past, over the past summer that you know, you're looking for? I want to see his jump shot. I want to see his jump shot go down consistently. I want to see him able to get by guys to the hoop. Um, from the perimeter to the like to the hoopy with ease, like we saw him do in high school. I want to see his passing, like a little more confidence with his passing. He was kind of struggling with that um, toward the end of the season. He started to pick it up a little bit, but you know, I just want to see a more confident overall player, a guy who knows he's like the floor general and is there to prove that and to help his team win. And every every countdown, you're kind of looking for somebody that just kind of pops off. AC is there anybody that? We're kind of sleeping on here. Maybe it's Jeremy Roach that you, that can have some kind of big performance. I mean, we're kind of all expecting Powell to be the best player on the floor. But is anybody going to shock us? Shock, probably not. Anybody who might pop off, it'd be cool if if Joey Baker had himself like a, a JJ Redick McDonald's All American type game where he comes out just busting threes. That'd be kind of tight. <laughs> we already talked about Jeremy, so I'll leave him alone. Is it is it fall yet? It's not fall yet officially, right? Is it Paul? Have we hit it officially? All right, then. Wendell, then, because because Summer Wendell 
Summer Wendell is somewhere between Hoodie Mello and Goat Jordan. So I want to see now Wendell in the fall and see if that can carry his summer summer work can carry over to the fall. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad not a bad call. I mean, losing last year that we yeah, heard yeah. the uh, the famed scrimmage where he put up thirty eight or forty five or something. Thirty eight, yeah, thirty seven, yeah. yeah. Dude, Summer Wendell is one of the best basketball players that of you've all never time. seen. That you've never <laughs> right, seen. Exactly. So, no, I think that's I think that's about right. I mean, Jack, uh, Jack what can Wendell do to quiet some of those doubters that? understandably might be there. I want to see Wendell hitting threes from above the break. I think he's been, he's shown that he's a good corner three shooter. He's shown that he's a decent shooter inside the arc and just generally like he's a good secondary facilitator. Biggest hole in his game is that he struggles to hit threes that are any from the corner or straight on from like top of the key. If he can hit something from like, like a wing three, do that a couple times. I think he's, he's golden. And you know, to wrap this one up, I'll tell you what I want to see because I've seen a lot of comparisons for absolutely no reason toward uh, Blake's and Jordan Goldwire. So what I want to see is one or two breakaway layups and just have Blake's lay it in with absolutely no problem, because then you can tell and quiet everybody that compares him to Goldwire down right there, which is mm-hmm. making a simple layup. <laughs> um, oh, Jordan. He's a, is he an enemy now, especially uh, since he's at Oklahoma, just in case we play them in a tournament? I think enemy. I think enemy is the wrong word. The, the enemy to me is not with him. It's with it's it's with the fans that um, have built him up to something that he just was never going to be and never was. And it's just I think it's unfair. I've, I've said that from day one. It's not like the enemy is a javelin warrior. All right, so we have a second. Oh gosh, he did it again. He did it gonna... again. <laughs> All right, so we have a second topic to talk about, and this one is not funny. Uh, Jack, what were your thoughts when you heard the news about uh, AJ going down with the, uh, the spraying knee? All right, so my first, my initial thought was panic because the first report I read was a dislocation, and that can be very bad. That could be like an out toward until like the back half of the season type thing. Luckily, that's not what it is. It's just a sprain. He's already off crutches, according to Coach K. So like, I'm really, I'm happy that it's just like a, it's a knee sprain. He'll be back in action hopefully before the Gonzaga game. Um, and honestly, if we're lucky, you might get to see him at the Champions Classic, but I don't think that's necessarily likely. Um, I, I think he's going to be fine. He's had some knee issues in the past, but this is just a sprain. Nothing's, nothing's broken. Nothing's dislocated. So I'm, I'm confident he's going to bounce back, and he's going to be ready for when he comes in. And I don't think people are going to expect him on the scouting report until like middle of ACC play, honestly. Yeah, I think that's about right. AC, we're, we're exactly 28 days from Champions Classic. I'm with Jack on this one. I don't think that they're going to rush him back, even though he is off crutches. That's encouraging. What, what, what are your kind of expectations just after hearing K say that today? Yeah, I don't think we see him until December, especially okay. K saying something like he's off crutches. We could see him in a few weeks or maybe months. The way he said it, it's like maybe months. It's like that was that was kind of something that was already sort of in the works as is where they were going to kind of ease him into the rotation. And, and you obviously saw that with Trevor Keels getting run as the starter, AJ coming off the bench with the blue squad or whatever. You kind of knew that they were going to limit his minutes to start the season already. And now he kind of made the decision easy for him by getting hurt. Not that he chose to do that, but right. you know what I mean? But I, I think because of the history of injuries, because he is so young, 
because all those factors plus this is always going to be a factor in college basketball because he does have pro stock i think they're going to be very careful with him so i i wouldn't be surprised if this was like one of those tatum situations where we don't see him until december and honestly i'm cool with it like that gives the other guys plenty of time to learn to to figure themselves out whereas they might not have had that opportunity with aj in the lineup then he comes back into a team that probably will be humming pretty good into december and i'm 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 fine with it man and Jack, uh, in terms of a seamless transition, how, let's say he does sit out for the first seven, eight, nine games, how seamless of a transition do you think that'll be for both the team and for him? I mean, he's been practicing with the team most of the summer. Um, mm-hmm. Up and Right up until he was injured, he was practicing with the team. He was playing with the second unit, which, I mean, I feel like he'll probably come off the bench to start uh, his transition. Most guys do. Only person I can think of that started right out of the gate actually is Jason Tatum. Now that you mentioned him, AC, um, I think it's actually a really good thing that he was playing with the second unit just for that reason. He's going to have chemistry with the guys who are coming off the bench. He's gonna like he. We know he can play with the guys that are that are starters. That's yeah. That's something that's pretty established with his talent level. He can play with anyone who's that talented. But just having those guys, knowing those guys, and what they can do is kind of going to be good for his transition back like onto the court. And hopefully it kind of avoids a situation where like what we had with Kyrie when he came back from his injury. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be uh, an easier transition, but AC, I know that you have, um, you know, kind of a different, uh, not a different take, but a more uplifting take where it comes to, to this injury and, and potentially maybe this is a little bit of a blessing in disguise kind of explain you know what you're thinking is uh with with that yeah it's one of those things right so we've seen it in the past and i'll I'll only use the national championship teams because there's there are lots of examples of this happening but most prevalent are the national championship teams under k at the end of the season maybe february january there's always some kind of a major change that happens with those teams that really it puts the squad over the top it gives them some kind of a confidence it changes things for the scouting report that teams thought they had Duke figured out, and then suddenly they don't. And that's, I think, any team in college basketball. I didn't really dig or do much research on you know other national champions, but I, I bet you could look back in college basketball and look at most national title teams or even Final Four teams and say, yeah, this team, they, they, had, they had a big shift in how they played. I mean, look at UCLA last year. I mean, Johnny Juzang, the way he played, was totally out of the blue, he was already a good player. We knew that. Everyone knew that. But the way he played out of his mind was just so different from anything people had seen all season. We had it with Justin Robinson going into that 2019-2020 uh, season before COVID stopped everything. And I, that's one reason why I really felt that team was going to go somewhere. So with the squad, AJ coming in late, probably coming off the bench to start, spelling different guys, probably subbing one through four more than likely. And then suddenly you thrust him into the starting lineup somewhere around February you know, late January, early February, all of a sudden teams have something totally different that they have to look at. So let's say that they do that. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think that this is a blessing in disguise, especially because I think one thing that hasn't been mentioned yet is I think it gives Teals even more uh, confidence and makes him even more comfortable because mm-hmm. he was already, you know, as we saw from some of the, the scrimmage tapes in the starting lineup. But I think it's easy to kind of feel, you know, AJ over your shoulder a little bit. Now he doesn't have to worry about that. He he's 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 the surefire starter. Yeah. I think we all agree on that. So now we have a situation yep. where he's going to start gaining that confidence. And AC, I guess what I'm kind of leaning toward here is, do you see AJ kind of just 
continuing to be uh, injuries withstanding to anyone else, always kind of being that super six man. Maybe like, that's not a bad place. Yeah, maybe. And I was just about to say that maybe. And I, I hate to use this example because I hate everything UNC. But maybe this is a Marvin Williams situation where just all year he's just a six man. And he comes right. in and subs for so many different guys. And if you're K, what kind of, like, that's what an amazing tool that is to say, okay, this game, first sub, AJ, you're coming in for the four. Next game, based on game plan, oh, you can come in at the two or you can come right. in at the three. So, you know, how, how amazing and what a, what a tool that is. So maybe, maybe he never becomes a starter. Maybe that's not the big transition. Maybe it's just he can sub for whoever he wants to sub for and no team on the planet can deal with that. Yeah, I think it's going to be the ultimate Swiss Army knife because like you said, I mean, you can really come in one through four just because you can move Wendell, you know, to the to the, to the the one if you wanted to, if you wanted to bring mm-hmm. Jeremy out first, if, if that is kind of what you're looking for and go for a bigger lineup. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a lot of different options here. So let's go to our projections. We got three players, just like we did three players last week. One of those three players is AJ. So, Jack, I want you kind of give us your projections for, for you know, points, rebounds, assists, blocks, whatever you got for uh, for AJ. So what I expect out of AJ, honestly, I'm, I'm just going to give what I had written down from before he got hurt because that's – I feel like he is going to play a large majority of the minutes even if he's coming off the bench because, like you guys said, he is so versatile. He can play – realistically he can come in and sub for one through four even five if you want to move Paulo up and play a small ball situation so I think I'm gonna I see him as a guy who can get somewhere between like 13 to 15 points per game in the college situation probably about four to six rebounds like I, I don't really I haven't really seen enough tape on him as a rebounder to know exactly but I see him getting somewhere between four and six just based on size and the fact that he can play the two than just overpower guys. He can play the four. He's gonna be he's gonna be on the glass, but not as much as some people think. And then assist wise, I'd say two two assists per game sounds sounds good for him. And steals and blocks, I'm just gonna say between the two, I expect him to get between one and a half to two, I'll say stocks per game. Sure. Because again, he's he's got size, he's got wingspan, he's a good defender, he's gonna be big against some guys and be smaller against others. And he's shown the ability to both steal and block. It just depends on his matchup. Yeah, I think that's about right. And in AC, mm-hmm. I think it is a little bit tougher now knowing the injury. But we did kind of all expect him to be six man for a certain period of time. Yep. So go ahead and give us what your, what your projections are uh, based on all that. You guys you guys are better at the numbers game than I am. I'll, I'll kind of stick with, I want to see, number one, I'll, I'll give a projection on minutes. Even if he comes off the bench, Seeing him get if he's if he's healthy and things are good, seeing him get anywhere between twenty five and thirty minutes, I think is reasonable. I think just because he comes off the bench doesn't mean he can't get minutes. He comes off the bench, subs somebody else, then that person subs someone else, that person subs someone else. AJ stays in the game. We're good. I said before that I'd like to see AJ as our second leading scorer, and I think that was when things were everything was all copacetic. I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't know if he he might he might still be able to be our, our second leading scorer at you know with Jack's projection of between thirteen and fifteen points a game. I think this team is going to be so balanced in scoring. You actually may see that be our like second highest total, which is fine, absolutely fine, especially if the rest of the team is is holding up their end of the bargain. Really, Jack brought it up. I want to see him on the defensive end. I want to see him, you know, creating stops, whether it's turnovers, whether it's blocks, whether it's just 
helping out on the boards, whatever. Like this team has really good rebounding guards. It's it's been that way since that nineteen twenty season, especially with guys like Wendell, Jeremy Keels is a decent rebounder from the guard position, especially because of his body type. So helping out Mark and Theo and Paolo down low is really going to be important for these guards to do. And and I think AJ is he he's a key cog in that. Being a six seven shooting guard essentially, man, is is key for that type of type of game. Yeah, I think it's all going to, for me, it all came down to how assertive do I think he's going to be. Because I think that that is one thing, even before the injury, mm-hmm. that Kay was kind of trying to push him. I think, he, I think he was trying to motivate him by bringing him off the bench as well mm-hmm. as, you know, obviously trying to look at that, that injury stuff. So this was actually a really tough one for me to get to. I actually went a little bit lower. I went 11 and a half points. I, I want him to blow that out of the water. I want him to show me that that was insanely low. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to see some assertiveness, and I, I think four and a half rebounds is is going to be there. But I think the other thing for me is I want to see how many times he can either a get out in transition, or if he's going to be more of the the shemmy and be this athletic freak that is just settling for threes. And mm-hmm. we know that he has that pretty step back that we've talked about that he can knock down that three at a much higher clip than than Shemi could obviously when he was with Duke in his freshman year. But I, I'm I'm a little bit hesitant with AJ right now before the injury, just because I want to see how assertive he's going to be. And now with the injury coming off the bench, what is his mindset going to be? So I'm kind of challenging him here when he listens to this podcast. That <laughs> you kind of get yourself, you got to get yourself going here. And I think if we're going to be at our best, we have to have a guy that is AJ Griffin. He's going to challenge Powell to be a one-two combo like Zion and RJ were. I think that that's what's going to make us at our best. And I just, I don't believe it yet. So I hope, hopefully we can see it. Yep. Our next guy is, uh, is Trevor Heels. So Jack, uh, what do you got for, for Trevor Heels? So I see Trevor as a guy who's probably going to, for most of the season, he's going to be third, maybe even fourth scoring option. Hopefully he's, he's like second or third most of the way. Uh, I see him getting between 10 and 12 points per game. Probably about four rebounds, and I want to see him get. I want to see him get four to five assists. Now that's a lot for a two guard in, in the college game with the pace, obviously. But like, he's he's been listed as a combo guard coming out. People said this is a guy who can move over to the point if needed. I want to see him try that. If K maybe wants to run like a big lineup at some point, um, I think him and Wendell would be really good as like co-facilitators in that sense and he's gonna he's gonna get like probably a little less than one steal per game i'm not sure on blocks necessarily i want to see him shoot around 40 percent from three that might be reaching but it also might not be he's a shooter he has a beautiful form and i think i think the shots will fall for him i hope they do that's that's what i expect out of keels personally yeah ac i'm gonna go to myself here first because I know you know Keels better than anybody. So I think he's gonna have a very similar year to a freshman year of Gary Trent. Uh you know Gary Gary Trent averaged fourteen and a half points a game, four point two rebounds, one point four assists. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's gonna get the fourteen and a half, but I kind of expect him to be right at that thirteen and a half, fourteen point uh points per game mark. I love the four point two rebounds for him, so I'm just gonna copy that. And I think one and a half assists for him because I think Wendell and Wendell, uh, Jeremy, and even Paolo, to an extent, are going to have more opportunities for playmaking. I think they're going to be asking him to be uh, a, a, a three-point shooter, be aggressive on offense, 
and be a dog on defense, and that's kind of where I'm going. I think I like I like one steal a game for him as well. But uh, AC, you know, the other thing I was saying is during Trent shot, we know how good he is in the NBA now. I mean, it's tailor made for him. I don't know if he's going to be able to get to that 40% three-point clip, but I, I'd like to see him between that 37-39 uh, all season long. But what do you got for him? You know him better than anybody. No, I think that was it's, – it's funny you say to Gary Trent because I had pulled up Gary Trent's stats to talk about Trevor Keels on our squad. I think he's absolutely going to hold that role on this team. Jack, you know, you mentioned – you know, fourth, third or fourth scoring option. I think just like Gary, I think he's going to morph himself into the second scoring option on that, on this team as well. Just like Gary Trent did that season. I, the one thing that happened with Gary, I, I don't want to see with Trevor, but I think it's absolutely possible. When Gary finished the season, he started kind of declining a little bit, especially from three, whether that was conditioning, whatever else. I, I really hope we don't see that from Gary. And I think maybe, maybe AJ coming back late is something that helps that situation out because I can absolutely see, you know, the rigors of college him, be, he's the youngest player in the team. I always, you know, I always said that uh, AJ was the youngest guy in the team. Uh, Trevor Keels is the youngest guy on the team by two days. So <laughs> he's, he's also extremely young. So conditioning is going to be a factor with him and he's going to carry a big role from the start. I think he's, he's somebody who's going to be very good from the beginning and we're going to be like, Oh my God, here comes Trevor Keels. And I can absolutely see a January, February swoon with him. I just want to see him pick it back up, kind of just like Gary did. Gary Trent yeah. kind of had the same thing happen to him. He swooned a little bit, and then he picked it back up to the end of the season, especially going into the tournament. So that's something I, I can see. You guys have already laid the stats out, but that's something I can absolutely see with Trevor. And, and let's keep it right with you here, because we from Trevor, and now we're going to Jeremy Roach. We've talked about him a lot. You and I obviously bullish on him, so stick with you, AC. Give us what your projections on for uh, for Jeremy Roach. So let's let's start with assists per game. I would love to see Jeremy north of three and a half assists per game. I, I think that's very much attainable. I think I'm probably lowballing him there. It's just yeah. he's he's not like the true point guard is dead. The guy who's gonna the guy who's gonna get you seven, eight, nine assists a game, that's just dead, man. He's gonna have games where he does that. But the thing I loved seeing in the summer scrimmages were the lobs he was throwing the Mark Williams, those type of things. If he's getting lobs, what that means for Jeremy Roach is that he's getting into the lane. And that's what we didn't see last year. And that's something I saw from Jeremy from the time I helped coach the kid to the time I watched him at Paul the Six. His ability to get into the lane because of his athleticism was elite. He didn't do that last season. So I definitely want to see him be able to do that this season. And we saw it with all those lobs he was throwing to the guys in the summer scrimmages. One thing about Jeremy last season that was just kind of really, you know, eye-popping to me was that after, so he had that Miami game where he only played 14 minutes, right? So that sucked. <laughs> but after that game, he had only averaged about three and a half two-point shots a game, which is not him at all, man. I'm telling you, like, that is that is so off the wall for that kid because he's so good at driving. Quinn Cook was such a good, he like, Kyrie obviously is one of the best players we've ever seen put the ball off the glass. Quinn Cook wasn't too far off in high school from Kyrie in that regard. Quinn Cook was so good at being able to put the ball off the glass. And Jeremy Roach also had that same elite skill. We didn't see it last season. So I want to see that from him this year. I want to see him north of five to six two-point shots a game because I think he can be really efficient at that range. I don't need him to shoot 10 threes a game. We don't need that. But him shooting five or more two-point shots a game, 
It's going to open his offense up. It's going to open up the offense for our bigs, and it's going to allow him to make those dump-off passes or those lob passes to the guys down low so that Mark and Paolo can do what they do best, man, and just finish around the rim. So give us some stats with uh, in terms of how many points, and, uh, and, and you did bring up three-point shooting. I can definitely see what you're saying, but I think just from the, the short scrimmages, and, and we talked about it at the beginning, I kind of want to see what that stroke looks like at countdown. Well, check this out, right? So I brought up that Miami game, right? That was in February. After that Miami game, he shot 40%, 80%. He had a game where he went 0 for 4, then 33%, 50%, 67%, and 50% from three after that. And they were all super efficient shots. No more than five attempts a game. I think that's perfect for him, quite honestly, especially if he's getting more two-point shots. Again, I don't need him to shoot more than five threes a game. Like, if he's shooting three threes a game and being efficient with that, one for three, two for three, you know, every game or whatever, I'm cool with that, man, especially because we have so many more options this year than we had last year. We only had a couple guys making threes last year, so he had to be one of those dudes. This season, he can kind of sit back, let everybody else get their shots, and he can take advantage of that. So just like you're saying, in the summer scrimmages, we saw him taking and hitting shots. Perfect. But just let's not force it. Let him get his offense the way he gets it, which is going to the inside, and then he can take care of the outside from there. So I think somewhere around 10, between 10 and 12 points a game for him is going to be great. I think that's I think that's going to be efficient. He's going to have a couple games where he might be in that 20-point range. Cool. I don't want to expect that, though. That's not something we expect from Jerry. No, that, that would be just gravy. And, you know, so like last year, he, he shot 45.6% from the field. He was 31% mm-hmm. from, from three. He was 67.5% yep. from uh, from the free throw line. So I'd like to see all three of those go up. If he can get to himself, mm-hmm. you know, where he's, a, you know, 50% from the field, if he's about 35% or so from three, and let's get him mm-hmm. up to 75% from, from the line if possible. No no shortage of 72%. He's at the point guard. We're going to get fouled at the end of the game. We need you to go up there and yep. hit them. I get 10 and a half points. He's about right. I'd like to see him north of that three and a half that you talked about uh, for assists per game. So give, give me, give me oh, four yeah, and yeah. a half, five. Uh, I think they're okay. going up to six. He's a little, asking a little bit too much just because I think that Wendell yep. is going to have to go a lot as well. And, and, and same with Paolo. So that's my quick stats. And, and Jack, I'll let you wrap this one up. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I agree on the, the numbers that you said, TK. I think he's going to. I think he's gonna not. He's not gonna be a top scoring option. I don't really even honestly know if I can think of a specific number with Jeremy. I've been trying for all like all week going into this. That was the big question mark I had in my head about Jeremy. But then like assists, I, I expect to see him around five. Hope hopefully, I think anything above five is just like gravy, like you said. Honestly, when it comes to percentages, I think he's gonna be, or at least I hope he's gonna have similar splits to like what Trey Jones had in twenty nineteen twenty. With like he's an efficient like close to fifty from the field, thirty five, thirty six from three, and then shooting above seventy five percent from the line. I think that's what we need to see out of the point guard this year. Just like you said, I think I like I'm the last one going for this round. There's not much that hasn't been said about Jeremy Roach. I do expect him to take a huge leap when and like make sure his assist to turnovers are like his assist turnover ratio is up. Turnovers as a whole are just down. Hopefully for all the returning guys but especially him. And just generally when it comes to Jeremy Roach, I just I want to see that he's improved in the confidence department. Like he was hitting his stride, like AC said, um, in the back half of the season after that Miami game. And I honestly think that he uh, – I think he's the key to how far this team can go mm-hmm. this year as the floor general. And just one thing, one thing to remember with Jeremy too, especially in the turnover department, 
he he only had two games where he had four turnovers. After that, he never had any more than three turnovers a game. It's just that he strung a lot of games yeah. together with three turnovers. So we definitely don't we don't want to see that anymore. But it's not like he was putting up astronomical turnover numbers. It's just game after game, it was three turnovers, three turnovers. Three turnovers. I, 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 I really think that it cannot be overstated that he now has for the first time gotten a full year in mm-hmm. at Duke. You know, in the summer where he's been able to work with his guys. Last year was a complete shit show, and he's coming off an injury. Like I think yeah. that's just why I think people are shortchanging him. But we talked about that enough. And speaking of point guards, JJ Starling, uh, kind of no, no surprise, <sighs> no surprise here to me yep. at least. You know, I think yep. that you know him choosing Notre Dame was the right thing for the obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Jeremy's probably coming back next year. It would not surprise to see. It would not surprise me to see either Wendell and or Keels come back. Yep. Blake, he's going to, you know, still be there. Not that he can't beat out Blake, but it's still, you know, someone that is eating out minutes. He wants to be one and done. He wants to get all those minutes. I don't think, to me, I don't think Keith is ever really in it for him. Um, mm-hmm. You know, AC, I know that you were big on this kid. I know that you loved his game. Just kind of yeah. talk about, you know, what kind of player Notre Dame is getting and do we have to worry about him next year? Oh, of course. I mean, you got to worry about anybody who's going to be on the scouting report and he'll be on the scouting report next year. He's going to be, he's going to be a top-notch scorer. The way he scores... The way he plays the game reminds me. We we kind of have we have our little text chain, so we brought this up. The way he plays reminds me of Quentin Grimes. That's a guy that Duke wanted too for a while until you know his motive his motives were different from what K wanted out of him. So that recruitment stopped. Kind of, I feel like the same thing similarly happened here with Shire and Starling. I think that Shire had a different plan than what Starling wanted. Starling wants to get to the league ASAP. That was very much yeah. what Quentin Grimes Quentin Grimes wanted. Strong finisher. He's got a great base on his jump shot, all those things like that. He has the makings of somebody if if they stuck around for three years or so, he could learn with lesser competition. Like that, that's the thing we talk about. You can learn in the NBA making millions of dollars. Absolutely. It just it's gonna take you longer and you're gonna cost yourself a little bit of money because of the amount of time it takes you to get to that second contract, that big second contract and everything. And you know, whatever, that's projecting the future. I'm not trying to do that. J.J. Starling, I hope yeah. he has a great future. I love the kid. I really love his game. It's, I wish he could have developed himself at Duke, especially with the NIL and everything, because that's what it kind of looked like when it was a Duke-Syracuse battle. But Notre Dame was like, hey, we can offer you this. They got a bunch of seniors who potentially could be leaving based on whether or not they want to stick around or not. So, this, I mean, the team is his. The team is his. It's going to look very much like Tyus Battle when he was at Syracuse. Just to use that example, it's going to look very much like that. That's another recruiting battle that Duke lost because he wanted to get where he wanted to be. And the Duke staff was like, we see a different future for you. So, you know, it is it is what it is for the kid. And I really hope he he has a great career. And ironically, on Tyus Battle, he basically had the career that Duke projected Absolutely. for him. Absolutely. And 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 he would have, I think he would have added some skills that he didn't ended up not adding. And now you see, you know, you see what ha- is happening with him. And I, I really feel like Quentin Grimes, the best thing that could have happened for that kid was the the trials and tribulations he went through to end up from Kansas to Houston and sticking around a little bit and maturing some. I really think that that was something for his career that's going to pay dividends in. Yep. Uh, and, and more importantly, now we can focus everything on. This Friday night, Mark yes, Mitchell, sir. Jack, crazies, Jack, crazies. If Jack, you I mean, are you stick, Jack? Are you sticking with your December projections uh, for for Mitchell? I honestly think he's already privately committed. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, I, I do. I, I'll can do, we I'll say that? Um, can we do that now I, on the I podcast? I don't know if anybody's ever said that on the podcast, so I'm gonna let Jack be there. Let's I'm do gonna, it. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> let Jack. We're, we're gonna let Jack have this one. Do it, Jack. Um, I mean, I I don't have I don't have the insider resources. Nah, say it with your chest, baby. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Here. I I cannot no, no. tell you this is a definitive thing. That being said. It would not surprise me if Mark Mitchell had already privately committed somewhere, whether that be Duke mm-hmm. or not. I, I personally hope and do believe that it is Duke. However, I think I think at this point it's just a media show. He's trying to get a little bit more hype built up around him. Like you see the top top guys are getting like these mixtapes on the big yep. like accounts on social media. I haven't seen more than one like mix on Instagram of mm-hmm. him. Maybe he's trying to build up some hype, maybe get a little bit, like start his season, maybe have some people take notice of him, and then boom, he's going to Duke. Yeah, and part of that's because of the injury but too. That too, that too. That is definitely, honestly, that slipped my mind, but that also makes mm-hmm. some sense. Um, and, and like Jason Jordan came out and was like, he's he's committing in December, right? And Jason Jordan's one of those dudes. He's A lot of people don't like him. He's a good dude, man, and he cares about these kids and their commitments and such. And I... I Personally, in my opinion, this is not me saying I have some inside info, but I, I do think that Jason Jordan is kind of taking care of the kid's commitment and allowing him to have his moment so that when all of a sudden, oh, here it comes, Mark Mitchell's going to commit, like it's a big deal. Exactly, yeah. It's it's not like what happened with uh, Derek Whitehead and ESPN, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think this is – also, this is – a. Like Mark Mitchell has said multiple times, I'm committing in December. I'm committing in December. Mm-hmm. And between that and what Jason Jordan's saying, I, I have a feeling the public announcement's going to be in December, but there's reason to believe that the private and a private commitment has already been made. Yeah, and, and you have seen, I think it was this week that I read, um, that there is you know, some smoke about UCLA and all this stuff. And, and as Clint Jackson always said, you know, manufacture suspense, right, AC? Yes, sir, and manufacture suspense, and that's that's uh, that's Eric Bossy's favorite thing to do. <laughs> He's one of the guys who's suddenly pushing, oh, it might be UCLA, but, like, nobody, other than the one dude who switched his crystal ball to, to UCLA, nobody's being definitive about, oh, yeah, he's going to UCLA. I, you, it was it was said and it was told that UCLA had a very bland visit with him. He has family out there. He's lived in California. That's one of the things that people have said is drawing him to California, I mean, Kansas made some headway with their visit, but he plays ball in Kansas, and they're they're not even like it's not even like it's like oh this is Kansas like he he's like Julian Wright reincarnated if you guys are old enough to remember him playing, and so it's like you know this this dude's the same player, and if he's if he's not gonna go to Kansas, yeah like come on man like he's like, it's it's Duke we we know it's Duke and let's just sit back and watch it. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, the, the crazies Friday night show him all the love. I'm sure that they will. Mm-hmm. Okay, so speaking of countdown to craziness. You guys mm-hmm. want to talk about your favorite moments? And I, I yes, sir. before we even get to it, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say fifty percent chance the AC and I have the same one. So I will give the ball to Jack first. And Jack, you can go ahead and give your favorite CTC moments. Um, and hopefully all three of us don't have the same one. I got a few. <laughs> um, we could talk about the uh, the dunk contest in 2010 where Kyrie was able to do some really I nice dunks. There was so I don't much. remember who it was. Was it O'Connell jumped over Marshall Plumley? That was yep. awesome. I missed those dunk contests. I remember contests that. So that was a lot of fun. Chase Jeter's water bottle flip. I don't know why. I was. It's the only good thing he did at Duke. <laughs> I'm gonna I can't honest. believe I'm going to say you're right. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> 
It's he really did not do anything. No, that water bottle flip was iconic, though. When I was I was in high school, I just remember being like, oh, oh, that's hype. And just like, mm-hmm. that honestly got me so excited for that season. I don't know why, but it um, did. And then... I mean, I, everybody was, you know, huddled around. Like, he brought... Like, it was like the... It was a show-stopping really move. Because mm-hmm. the bottle flip was like so iconic at that point. And to, for him to, you know, for him to nail it, it was. It was. He I can't it. disagree. It definitely. It was. It was crazy. And then, honestly, top one is Grayson coming out to every time we touch for his senior year. Well, he got so much. He got so much backlash for that too. I mean, like everything yeah. he did. But from yeah, people yeah. who don't know what the significance of the song exactly. is, exactly. It's just. It was perfectly fitting for him to do that Absolutely. in his last countdown. Yeah, he needed it. So one of them that you brought up that uh, that I also was going to talk about is is that twenty eleven. Um, countdown of craziness. I was there, and I really went for two reasons. The one reason was I wanted I was at the national championship in 2010, so I wanted to see that banner. I mean, we have we had it been a it been a minute for us to to have a banner, so uh, it was it was awesome to be there. And you know, guys like Shire uh, came back. You know, Lance Thomas, Zubac, they all came back to um to to be there for it. And um, AC and I have talked about this in years past, but it took me about I'm not even kidding, 15 seconds. Now, they, they brought back the uh, final four most outstanding player, Kyle Simbler. Uh Nolan Smith was a senior and had a phenomenal junior year. Seth Curry, who everybody had raved about, you know, uh, in his redshirt year, yep. was it was going to be there. Dre is back. This team is, is stacked, you know. But it took you 10 seconds of that scrimmage with all that talent yep. to realize Kyrie was not only the best player on the floor, but it wasn't even close. Yeah, and I got this. I got a chance to see him in that NC Pro Am down there yeah. in North Carolina, and that's one. That was my first craziness. Actually, that was my first CTC. Was was that one, and to see the banner go up, and then to have him come out, and then to watch him just do his thing. I was like, dog, this is this is nuts, man. <laughs> this this dude, this dude is a different level, man. Yeah, and then the other one is like I was at the one with uh, with Tatum and and you know that whole team with French Jackson and obviously mm-hmm. Giles didn't play, but. That was a similar, it wasn't to that level, but it was similar where like Tatum was by far the best player on that team. I'd say it was at that level. I, th- I, I was, I was at that one with you too, and it was yeah. like, it was like this dude is just different. Like it's just, it's extremely different. And then, what a letdown then to have him do that, and then suddenly the injury happens and he's not playing yeah. into, into December. And I was like, ah, damn it, dude! <laughs> like we were just robbed of what you know what Tatum could do. Really, quite honestly, until that last UNC game at Cameron and then moving into the tournament. Like, it was like... Uh, when, when, he faced, when he facialed uh, Kennedy yes, sir. yes, sir. Oh. Jack's, Jack's favorite, Kennedy Meeks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that dunk got got me blocked by Kennedy Meeks on Instagram. I know I've said it a million times, but... <laughs> you, 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 you'll never be able to say it enough on this podcast. But yeah, AC, any other ones that we haven't mentioned yet uh, that are top moments for, uh, for you at uh, CTC? No, I think I, we've covered a lot of it. We've covered like the dunk. I, I really like. I get it. You don't want people hurt or whatever. I really wish. I wish. I wish the dunk contest would come back, and I really wish they would do a three point contest. Like three pointers, it's something that K has been known for throughout his career. He's one of the guys who really, you know, revolutionized the three point shot in college basketball. And it's like, how have we not done a three point contest for CTC? Like that would be awesome. Or like, I mean, some yeah, kind that's of, one thing I've never understood, especially yeah. that that year. You have Tatum, Grayson Allen, Luke Kennard. Like you have, you have pl- Frank Jackson. Like you have plenty of guys that can you know knock down threes. 
Yeah, man. Or and like or like you know, showcase the team strength that year. If that year it's three point shooting, do the three point shot. Like last year, no, we don't need to do a three point contest with last Probably year's not. team. No. <laughs> it, it's but, Matt Hurts to lose. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But he could have shot left handed. Exactly. If the strength of the team is athleticism, do the dunk contest. Whatever. You know, it's not it's not my decision. Debbie Severino's gotta do that. But yeah, or or incorporate the women's team, right? There's so much there right now. There's so much buzz around the women's team with Carol Lawson. Like, have you know, kind of like to do with the NBA? Have that mixed skills competition where you have like the guys team and girls team. That would be so cool, I think, in Cameron especially. I, I but, I'd, I'd love to see a three point contest between the, the the guys and the women. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. But I think the, the two that we haven't covered, I think, that are are such big moments. Number one, I'll start with Andre Dawkins and his final season and everything he went through, leaving the team, coming back. He got that season. The the 2013 season, 2014 season, when it was Dre's last year, that was that was one of those kind of chill inducing moments, man, because you know that was his last season. Everything he had gone through at Duke, you know, between his sister and you know all those things that happened, and then leaving the team for a little bit because he had to get his his you know mentally he had to get himself right. It was so cool for him to come back, finish out, you know, change the jersey number, and the, just the fans went so crazy for him, man. Like it was. That was Jabari's season, and you know, kind of traditionally at CTC, like you know, the big the big freshman prospect always gets the biggest the biggest crowd pop. But I think Dre got it that year, man. And I know you know in the stands, people near where I was sitting and everything, they you know they just love that moment. But the other one that we didn't mention that ha- absolutely has to be mentioned was when Trey brought his mom out after she just finished her battle with cancer. Yes, dude, that was so that. like. There were, you know, there were there were tears in the stands, man. Like that was so cool. Like it didn't come across well on the TV broadcast how loud Cameron was for that, and just how emotional Cameron was when that happened. Like that was, dude, that was so cool, man. That was that was so cool, dude. Like I just I love moments like that, and and Trey bringing his mom out, man. That was so big. Yeah, you know, I'm getting chills just uh, remembering um, Debbie coming out. I mean, she's you know, fond mother of the program. She, uh, you know, she's awesome. I oh mean, yeah. Uh, everything that she's gone through and everything she sacrificed for for her family, uh, you know, we've we talked about mm-hmm. her multiple times on this podcast. She uh, she's awesome. That's a great that's a great pull. I, I completely forgot about that. I think a lot of people do. Like I, I think it's one of those things that's like because it's the intros and all that stuff. I think it's one of those things that can be easy to forget about. But like when it happened, like it was just it was so big and it was so cool. I think I, I really that was that was one of the best moments of CTC for me. Yeah, the other the other one, which is uh, the kind of the exact opposite, was we uh, you know we were talking offline about this a little bit. Trey Duvall at the very end of the scrimmage, where he's on a breakaway, throws it up to himself and barely dunked, like he barely dunked it. Yeah. And I thought I looked over at Kay and I go, "Oh my God, he's going to kill Trey Duvall." <laughs> Even at CTC, it's like, That's "Oh come saying. on!" Dude. And I just I literally go, "It's going to be a long year." Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Oh my God, I remember that happening. Oh, Trey, Trey Duvall, uh, what could have been? Yep. All right. Well, we got CTC seventy-two hours away. We are ready to roll. Hopefully, we have a lot of awesome moments. I'll be checking it out Sunday after I get back from this wedding. I cannot believe this is happening, but you know what? Let's go, Duke. Let's have a great time down there. Let's go, Duke. Let's go, Duke. Thank you for tuning in to the Five Point Play Podcast the number one Duke fans podcast. Check us out at Instagram at five point play podcast. That's the number five point play podcast. And on Twitter, five point play podcast. Go Duke.